0: everyone welcome back to the Janice Dean podcast I have some great guests and conversations coming up in the weeks ahead and I'd love to know your favorite episode, so please leave me a review or you can message me on Twitter and Facebook at Janice Dean I'm at Janice Dean FNC on Instagram my guest today is someone I've known for a long time and someone you've seen everywhere on Fox News and Fox Business Dagan McDowell started out as a business reporter on Fox almost 20 years ago She is so loved both on television and here in the building. I love her self-deprecating sense of humor, her love of animals, and how she is not afraid to speak her mind. We could have talked for hours, and the time flew by in the studio, so she'll definitely be back again. Here's my friend, Dagan McDowell. Dagan, my love, you made today's Dean's List. (laughs)
1: I did? You
0: did. For what? For being you. <laughs> I my favorite people well, you're on the list. And I and early on when I was starting the podcast, I sent you an email and right. said, I gotta get you in the studio because you really are one of my favorite people. You've been here how long have you been a Fox?
1: I will have full time this spring twenty years. Wow. So now worked on Fox. I did like I was a contributor before that and um even with before that was just appearing kind of regularly on one of their business shows. So long how, time. How did you get your start then? I my first job when I moved to New York City. I just moved here literally on a train with a duffel bag because I knew that I'd be able to find something that I was good at that I liked. And my first job was it, I answered an ad that was in the New York Times, like the physical paper for financial journalists. And so I wound I was writing for trade publications Mm -hmm. about finance, about things like Wall Street and private money management, high net worth money management. I digress. And so I was a writer for a number of years. And then I started doing I worked for the street.com, Jim Kramer. I was like employee number eight at uh, the street.com, in the, like, even before the first dot com bubble. But I just started doing TV, and I think that at Fox, they always wanted real people who did not have traditional on air media training. Yep. So they wanted people with diverse backgrounds, and Neil Cavuto just uh, offered me a job almost 20 years ago. And you, it was, we'll give you some training. We'll teach you, you know, get you somebody to teach you how to read a prompter. And if you swim, you get to stay. If you sink and you suck, then we'll get rid of you. <laughs> That's so, so Neil. I, so I've I managed to... You're swimming. Tread water. Paddling, paddling in the pool for almost 20 years. The secret sauce is really is
0: the people here and the Just, real people. You know, like I think if you look at other networks cable news channels, I've met some of those folks, they're not the same people that you see on TV. They're putting on an act. Whereas here, well, listen, there's a few there's a few people that don't fall under the umbrella, but most of us are the same people you see on TV. And you're one of those people. You the thing I love about you
1: is you never changed your accent. And there was a former executive who worked here. I say former. Yeah. Um, bye. <laughs> um, I, yep. <laughs> uh, I still work here and you don't. Uh, who, after I, after, because we both worked for Don Imus, after Imus left. And so I was like more of my country self on that show. And the man said to me, well, he called me Ellie May Clampett to my face. Oh my gosh. He said I, I can't remember exactly what he said I but, know who you're talking about and I have I have, and my problems said, with him too He said can you tone down the Ellie <sighs> May Clampett bit. I think that that was the exact phrase that he used <sighs> and so it's not that I don't know how to speak English and I thought to myself my accent is the reason that they hired me here yeah is because i sound i sound like i did when i grew up and i sound like the audience yes and that's part of us staying connected with where we come from right and not being disconnected from the people who watch us on television and i think you hit on something really important is that the people on the air that's what they're like in person yeah they're not they're they have a and that can be that's that can be my downfall because like when I get angry I can't hide it I love that (laughs) about you David but but when I get really upset about something I I'm not gonna bury that right act and act like something is okay when it's not Mm -hmm. and that can work against you but for the most part so I've hung out hung on to my Accent all these years. I'm so glad you did. And I talked. I, you know, I talk, still talk to my dad all the time. So that oh, helps. I love your dad. How's he doing? He's he's okay. He's, yeah. He wouldn't, wouldn't want me saying this, but he's getting up there. Aww. He's good. But um, we had so many conversations when my mom was sick, and I, um, you know, she died almost three years ago. And just about how do you, how do you stay focused, but also how. And because I, I knew I was going to come on and talk to you, and I was thinking about, you know, you, you're you so bright and looking on, you know, the positive side of life and how that can get you through some of the darkest days. I'm like, why would Janice book my grump bucket ass? Because you're not. <laughs> I'm, but he, I did learn, but like if I... People can learn from you that, like, if you can figure out a way to find, and I've tried to do this as my mother got sicker and sicker. She, by the way, died of lung cancer. Um, not and didn't smoke, but if you can find that one like moment of joy every day, and it's going to be something small. Yeah, but you have to find it and acknowledge it in the moment of like this one with your boys or your husband or something that might happen at work and if you can note like actively notice it and say that was a really happy moment. Yeah. Like, you can find that every day, even in the darkest times. Why do you
0: call yourself a grump bucket? Well, I'm grump.
1: I'm just grump. I I'm a think little grumpy.
0: don't you give yourself a hard time, but you're not. I mean, I always see you smiling. You know, I see you coming in. At, we get up really early for our jobs, and, it,
1: you know, it's tough. We kind of nod our heads at each other and wave. It's That's one thing about early morning TV is, like, we, the people who do it for many, many years. Yeah. We don't um, like there's not a lot of talking that goes right. on, but we underst- we don't have to talk to each <laughs> right? other. We get it.
0: It's like the hardest part of our job is just getting up. I want to say that, you know, when I was going through a really tough time and I know your mom died three years ago, and Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry for your loss and how much love you have for her. Um, During the whole COVID thing and Mm -hmm. the Cuomo stuff and my husband losing his parents, everyone here was very supportive, but I will never forget some of the texts or emails you would send me just out of the blue um, because that stuff does matter and that stuff I remember and you were truly one of those people where I was like, she really does care about me and so i will always
1: be so grateful for that and i'm grateful for you standing up for what's right and i'm grateful for your friendship and your compassion and your thoughtfulness and your strength and even if we don't exchange words it's indeed you are a leader like if people watch the way that you've carried yourself and the the, your warrior self, hmm. where you have fought so tirelessly and at every turn for what is right, and for to stand up for those people who, families who the, the living who don't have a voice, and particularly those who died because of the nursing home tragedy here, not just in New York but in in other states as well. But I. 'Cause during that I and I don't I know we've probably talked about this, but going on the air and following your lead and calling attention to what was was going on when the Cuomo brothers were getting nothing but like accolades and oh yeah. how wonderful and cute they are. <laughs> and I was getting I was angry and outraged and on the air and I was get like a cup from a couple of people who are journalists who don't work here getting like emails or text messages about trying to I found them threatening but trying to call me off and call us off mm-hmm. and say well the, making excuses for the governor and his brother and oh it's the fog of war or how dare you not criticize all these other people how dare you criticize Andy Cuomo yeah. and i just found it one one, per, one time i've never told anybody this but i got an e- like an email like a series of messages or emails from this one journalist and i Called a mutual friend of ours and I, and I said, I'm not going to respond to this clown, but you need to call your buddy and tell him he's making an enemy of the wrong person because I carry a grudge and I will forever remember him trying to stop me and us from calling out wrongdoing and and then the cover up and what led to the death of so many people. Um, Family members, yeah. and so I said, "You you need to tell your friend to pump his brakes."
0: <laughs> we got a and, lot of that. I mean, I I got yeah. a lot of that too. Um, I can't
1: I can't even imagine. Yeah,
0: and and Chris Cuomo is back on the air, and that makes me angry too because had he had time to reflect on what went on um, and then maybe apologize to maybe some of the women that he tried to smear, including right. myself. You know, Silence. he was he was behind the scenes, apparently, you know, with texting people calling me. What do we do with this weather, bitch? I mean, I'm still trying to get those texts, by the way. I've foiled for them and they are stonewalling me. So that just tells me there there is something there. And I need, I would like to know, I would like to know how in deep this uh, administration and Chris Cuomo, uh, went behind the scenes to try to do oppo research on myself, on my family, on my husband. I wanted, I deserve to know that because that guy is on TV again, and he's being rewarded for his bad behavior. Had they, had he gone on television and said, you know what? i made a lot i made mistakes i shouldn't have had my brother on i get that but i also should not have uh gone behind the scenes to try and get information on the women that went against my brother i should not have done that but instead you know he's on tv again being
1: rewarded for bad behavior i don't i i I was having a private conversation about this very thing are there really no and i i mean this in a in a broad sense more generically but in this business even to this day you have people who continue to fail and get opportunities yes and another opportunity comes along usually men it, it's usually men and I don't understand why I call it like I one of these days I'm gonna write a book good but uh, uh, but one of them, it's the, I call it the, they're not going anywhere, Yeah, that they don't go away. Right. They don't. And I'm not saying that, because I, I do believe in forgiveness, yep. and I know that you, we were talking about Kathleen Gifford, who is hilarious, but it's not that I don't believe in forgiveness. I do, but I, if there is some sort of penance or acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Correct. But I don't understand the why these opportunities keep coming up for these people. And I was in the conversation. It was like name recognition. And I said, but what does that name mean nowadays? It doesn't mean Mario Cuomo. Right. It means cover up and lying, lying and sending elderly nursing home residents to their deaths and trying to profit um, off of a manufactured image that they carefully try to destroy people's lives to maintain that image of, of greatness and excellence. And I just don't. When I look at things like situations like that, I always think, isn't there somebody else who deserved the opportunity instead of somebody who continues to fail along the road? Just yeah. one failure after another,
0: mm-hmm. and then I think to myself, "What if it was? What if it was me that did that? What if I tried to do Oppo research on someone, and that was, you know, the Attorney General found evidence of me trying to dig into somebody's past? Uh, I would be fired from here, and my name would be
1: ruined. Why does this guy get a pass?" It, but th- that be so the our early ratings came in and somebody asked me, do you know, just as a joke, like, can you guess what the demo was? And I did. And they went, how did you know that? And I was like, I have a pretty good barometer for <laughs> like suckitude. <laughs> so I, I can I can read I can read that really well. And it was like it was the radio rating, early ratings were bad. But again, it's. Why would anyone want to watch this person if they didn't watch him before and before and before?
0: And by rewarding, I also mean as a paycheck. He's getting paid over a million dollars. He took someone's spot on that fledgling news channel. None of them are making the money he has. Um, And for what? What? you
1: know I don't und- I don't understand I it. thought
0: about this you maybe I think about this too much but like, well
1: I understand go like away
0: for a while <laughs> go away for a while uh you know write an op-ed about what I've learned about this and this business and how I'm going to do better um and then you know a few years down the way uh, come back and go oh okay go work at an animal shelter oh he wanted to be a fireman for a while did you read that Oh, my God. Chris Cuomo tried to be a volunteer fireman in the Hamptons. And apparently the firehouse he went to, whoever was in charge, said, yeah, you actually have to do some work to do this job because he realized it was too much work. I think he just wanted to do selfies and put them on Instagram. Right.
1: I think that he was probably thinking about, I would look really great shirtless and yeah. fireman calendar. Right. Because that's why people b- join the fire department, whether it's volunteer or professional.
0: Yeah. So there's there's that guy who wanted to be a fireman for
1: his own. And to you, that has to be like even more deeply offensive than it would be <laughs> for someone outside of, uh, you know, being married to someone who has spent his life working for the Fire Department of New York. Yeah.
0: And you actually have to study. and It's,
1: it's a very serious <laughs> profession. Right.
0: And go into buildings, you know, when you don't look so good.
1: Because um, my, I actually thought, I think about you a lot in this, at the, so you won't think they're strange, but like at the strangest times, for example, I was at, in my hometown seeing my dad and we have a volunteer fire department. Mm-hmm. And they had, so I'm running by the fire station, and they had like a little sign up, like the kind that they put up when they have the the stew, yes, they have like the the fall stew to raise money, uh-huh. and they were they have like the junior. Uh, junior volunteer fire department program and I was like this is how you know young people get started and get interested and I was thinking about you and your your husband and your boys yeah because you never know where you know they're a little young but you never know where they might go and then I was thinking about you I was at the CVS yesterday and there was all this like Delicious Halloween candy, but it was like very happy, and it's like happier Halloween candy. <laughs> like they're like little pumpkin Reese's faces. And I don't know why I was thinking about you. I was like just candy and delicious, you know, things Aww. that bring people joy. And I almost bought a box of their like Junior Mints, but they're orange on the inside, which was a revelation. That's to me. awesome. As long as they don't taste like pumpkin. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. Oh my gosh, why? Why are you putting pumpkin spice in everything? Do you like that stuff? No, I don't. It,
1: I hate it because it tastes so phony. It, it doesn't does. taste like pumpkin. It no. tastes like some <laughs> pumpkiny essence of something. It's the same reason I don't like strawberry candies because it doesn't taste like strawberry. It doesn't it tastes like and it leaves something a bad fake. taste in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, exactly. I so. agree.
0: And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this.
1: So, um, I have to think about not to change the subject away from uh, no, I'm the odious to the delicious. Listen,
0: this is, you're bringing sunshine, actually. This is what. I'm trying. You're doing it. Um, you're doing it.
1: I also, like, during. Just speaking of sunshine, because people, I'm sure that, like, people you grew up with ask you, how do you live in New York City? Mm. Like, how do you, particularly with crime, like it is. I, and i tell people you can turn new york into a very small town like you can real new Yorkers if they if they're a perfect stranger if you look at them like early on a sunday morning you're walking by somebody on the street and go morning <laughs> hey <laughs> Talk to their dog or tell somebody that they look really nice. Like, they don't really care that you're a stranger. They will react to you the way that somebody in a small town would react to you. Absolutely. I do that all the time. Good for you. Well,
0: you have dogs, too. And I will tell you, we just got a dog. Oh, my goodness. I'm obsessed with her and I haven't met her yet. Lola, you will. Um, I've met more people in my neighborhood owning Lola. Uh, We've lived there 13 years now. Owning her has opened up a completely different world.
1: Because you can always, with people, you just focus on the dog. Yeah. And then you that bleeds to an introduction. Yes. And she's a Bedlington Terrier. terrier. She's so scrumptious. And she has the little, do you, does mohawk. she still have the mohawk? Which, she does. Because I've talked to Guy Fenton so much about Roy. Yeah. I've heard lots of Roy well, stories. Lola is because of Roy. Right. I didn't
0: even know the breed. Existed,
1: but you had covered, but you've covered for years the Westminster yes. Kennel
0: Club Dog Show, and it's a great story because uh, I had was on Guy's show, and I was covering the Westminster Dog Show, and Guy just innocently says, "Well, what kind of dog do you have, Janice?" And I was like we don't have a dog. He was like, what? How can you, Janice Dean, not have a dog? And I was honest. I said, listen, uh, my kids are now getting to the age where I think that we could have a dog because they were just too little, you know, two working parents trying to raise kids. And I love dogs, grew up with dogs. Um, The timing wasn't right. And my son and I are very allergic to uh, certain breeds that shed. So there was already not a lot of boxes that right. we could. And check. you can't
1: rescue when you're you have allergies. No, like and that. We, of
0: course we would think about that. You know,
1: but but it's very it's very very hard because they'll tell you a lot of rescues will tell you a dog doesn't shed and it and the dog does. Does and you get it home and you're like you, and you don't want to return the dog but you can't. Right, live, you, you can't. can't live with like literally,
0: my face will blow up and so will my son. So that was immediately when Guy told me that it was l- like hypoallergenic in the true sense of the word, does not shed. Um, And then I was like, okay, that's interesting. Then he started sending me pictures and then I was in love. And um, and then, you know, we found somebody that, that had a litter and God bless her. This dog has really changed our lives. Just, I know you know this, coming home from work, And having someone so excited to see you to the point of like they're peeing on the floor because they're so excited is something indescribable. It is. And my husband, too, he, you know, he's a very quiet guy. And when he sees Lola, and he's her master, there's no question. She loved me first, but then, you know, Sean spends a lot of time with her. When he comes home, she will love on him. And he just, I've never seen that, I'm not even sure how to describe it, that appreciation of the love of someone being so glad you're home.
1: Right. And, of course, you will also leave for not a work day, but for five minutes. Five minutes. And then when you get back, it's like you've been gone a month. <laughs> and it's the same reaction. I, uh, so, And I feel that way. And dogs also, in, uh, on my scr- my phone, I have a photo of Charlie sitting in my mother's lap oh. right before she died. So it was probably a matter of weeks before she died. And when I would take Charlie down to see her... So the only place he would go he would go she was sat in a chair and he would always get in that chair and he would stay in the chair or on her lap the entire time I was at her house and so he was always at our side and dogs know they know dogs know when someone needs healing when they need comfort yes when they need attention and just closeness yeah and it's something that is Their in in their instincts uh, to do that, so it's they're just magical.
0: They really are. Yeah. What do you remember most about your mom? Golly, she. Did you ever get to meet her? I didn't, but I. I feel I did because through you,
1: she had such a big. Like, she was from a very small town, but she had such a big mind. And she put a lot of thought into, like, for seven years, my parents tried to have kids. And so she thought for seven years about how she wanted to raise her kids, me and then my brother, who's four years younger. But she put so much thought into life and living and... The next life, mm-hmm. and how do you treat people? How do you want to treat people? She was just incredibly forgiving, and it, it's so hard to ca- like capture in words what she was like. But I'll I'll put it to you this: this is one of my favorite stories I tell, and like only I'm. I don't know if I've ever told it on the air, like publicly, but my friends know it. But when I was, I grew up in a town of like a thousand people in the rural South going to a Baptist church. And when I was 12, this would have been in 1981. My mom came into my bedroom and said, honey, you're going to be figuring out who you are. In the next few years and if it turns out that you like girls instead of boys your dad and i want you to know we will love you just the same oh. and i tell that story all the time because for this woman to st- Sit me down in 1981 when I was 12 and say, We want you to be you, and we don't want you to hide your true self based on some perception of what we want for you or some expectation, not just from family, but kind of church and community about who you are. And I asked her later on, I said, Why would you do that? Why did you decide to sit? And she did the same with my brother. Sit me down and say that, and she said, because I've seen when people kid their true selves and bury that, it eats you from the inside out, where you try to live up to the expectations of a family, a community, um, your hometown, your friends, your church, and you are not yourself, and you are being someone you're not, she said, it will destroy you. And she said, I never wanted that for you. And your brother. I just wanted you to be yourself. And she was also very. Um, this is going to sound so strange, but when she was sick, so she got diagnosed with stage. When she was diagnosed, it was stage four. It was already metastatic, and it was on her backbone. She had cancer, lung cancer, on her backbone and her pelvis. But those years of her, she lived for five and a half years, which is incredible. But those are the best years of. Our, her marriage, I think, and our family life, wow. because we were so devoted to one another. And we realized that as a family, that we, didn't ha- we had a limited amount of time. So you don't leave anything left unsaid, wow. that you just live. And she sat me down really early on. She was a woman of deep, deep faith. And she said, I need you to know that I am not afraid to die. So let that free you. Uh-huh. Let that then eliminate any worry or fear about my death so we can live in this moment together so we can live every day free from fear and free from um expectations just i'm not afraid you shouldn't be afraid let's just enjoy these moments that we have together and her f- faith throughout all of that was just unshakable And she never lived with, it it just was her devotion to faith and Christ and God was just astonishing. And it left me, like when she first got sick, like I would come to work and I realized that the first thing out of my mouth in the morning should not be some complaint about it's raining outside. It should be how are. It's like pull your hat out of your own ass. How are you? Like when you see someone, and you will auto, you will automatically do this. And you with battling MS, you you get outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I see you, it's like how are you. And rather than like, oh, it's raining. Oh, I didn't get my cup of coffee. I have a headache. And we've all, yeah. So I've tried that. Certainly, her outlook helped me Mm -hmm. with just living. And it's a happier life. It is. If you're not wrapped up in the small stuff, like I'm not saying that the big, the big stuff, the bigger picture, like disease or tragedy. It doesn't matter, but if you can, again, it goes back to what I was saying, if you can find that small moment, and it's in someone else. It's not inside. That small moment is someone, it might be a stranger, but it's a moment of happiness and joy. You have to look for it, too. Yeah, you have to actively look for it, and I try to and it doesn't you know, you have to and you have to acknowledge it you have to stop for one second and say that was a moment of happiness yep. like my junior mints with the orange interior that was a moment of happiness i was i found like some little bit of joy in my junior mints with the orange interior it's an important message and i think Mm -hmm. we
0: get that like my diagnosis with 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 multiple sclerosis Mm -hmm. uh came in 2005 and up until that point i'm not saying that i wasn't a shiny bright person because i think you're born with something like that but it's the hard times or the the times where you're in a really dark place and then when you come out of it you appreciate things more. Um, you know, I appreciated the help my health. I appreciated my family more. I appreciated um, the sun coming up, putting two feet on the floor. So I feel like as human beings, sometimes it does take a diagnosis or a tragedy Um a dark period in your life Mm -hmm. where that's when the gratitude starts because up until that point it was like career moving to New York what am I doing next you know uh fancy clothes I mean not all of that but some of that
1: and then it becomes where'd all those years
0: go where did all those years go but that's okay I feel like my 50s are probably my
1: best years I like I went I texted Kennedy this oh you guys I love you both like a while ago, something about age, and I said, I wouldn't, I I don't regret one year of it. Like, I wouldn't want to go back one year, nope. not one month. Like, I am who I am today because of all that living stuff. I did. All that stuff. And the days can be, you know, I mean, it, life is hard, but... It, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to go back at all. Like, this is, this feels good. It does. Now.
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I want to talk about Imus. Okay. Uh, We both had not very nice experiences with him. Uh, Imus brought me to New York. Uh, That was the job that I came to New York for. I didn't know anyone. Uh, Someone had given me like a newspaper article saying here's a job position you should you should go for it because it involves radio television all the things that you're good at and it's a big name broadcaster and I had to go through two auditions I don't think I met him he was in New Mexico at his ranch both auditions so I wasn't in the studio with him but I remember Bernie saying to me why do you want this job (laughs) It should have been like the first clue. So I did the job for a year. He was very mean to me. There were rare moments where he would, you know, say, You're doing a good job. Like or he would bring me in uh and 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 say that I I did a good job scum report is what it was called, the scum report, which was like an entertainment report, but it really had to be down and dirty. Like right. you couldn't come in with something that he wasn't, that wasn't going to be controversial. Right. And then I would go out and go, oh, he likes me. Right. Right. And then you would go for another week or two, but I did it for a year. But I would say pretty early on, I knew I had to find something else. It's taken me 20 years to... Forgive him. Uh, And it took, you know, he came to Fox, obviously, we'll talk about that, because he worked with you. And I always would envision him, say, get his assistant to call me to his office, and he would apologize to me. And I would be like, we're good. Absolutely. Absolutely thank you, Imus. Um, but he never did. And I always said I would never go on the air with him here at Fox. I was I was horrified that right. they hired him because they knew what he how they treated me. And what I did was I called the bosses and I said, I will never, ever, I don't care if there's a category five hurricane hitting the Northeast New York City, I will never be on the air with him. He treated me so badly. And they said, okay, we get that. But it's 20 years now. And I I forgive him. I have to, I, even though he was terrible. Um, how do you feel about him? The
1: it was. It, we have had similar experiences where you reckon, like he gave you an incredible opportunity, absolutely, and he gave me a great opportunity. I fit in on that show really well but on a day-to-day basis it was abusive and verbally yes and more like on the air sometimes but off the air and when you were in his good graces and when he was happy with you it was awesome yeah it's like the sun shines on you and it's very warm and for some reason I don't know if it's specific to him but you do want to please him yes because you you want to be in the sunshine right and you realize he's he was a talented broadcaster he was a kingmaker right and he was very and he was and like watching the mechanics of the show it's like you could learn a lot but for somebody to like Like, call me a bitch on live television. Right. Like, can you imagine being married to that bitch? Yeah. That kind of thing. But that was just like a sliver of it. And you had to laugh it off. And so, yeah. And I didn't realize how jarring an experience it was until I was on the other side of it. And I don't... I I, I feel conflicted talking about him in death because I've never ever publicly talked about my experiences on that show and he but it was extremely extremely difficult Mm -hmm. because it was it 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 was the unpredictable nature of his behavior and you never knew on a day-to-day basis if you were going to be a golden child or the enemy. Yeah. And that's the best way I can describe it. And I, when a lot of people, and you know this, cause I've said this to you privately, but when he passed away and there were so many people who came out and just had nothing but like glorious things to say about him and just their comments were just full of accolades it was all of that but they didn't have to experience what we did yeah and my reaction to a lot of it was you really don't know you really don't know what it was like yeah and it was it, it was inc- like I'll just phrase it as my mother said it. After I left the show, so he left, went just back to radio. My mother said, oh, good. And this was when she was sick. Wow. She had already been diagnosed and with cancer. She said, oh, good, I can watch you on TV again. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, I haven't watched you for years. Oh. She said, I can't. Watch you, because I know what you're going. I can see it, what you're going through behind the scenes and the positions that you're put in on the air. And she said, I can't watch that. I can't watch him talk to you and put you down. And there were times like the the bitch comment. I can't remember if it was on live TV. It was live or not I think it was on live television that he said that about me but that was like just one of like many things that went on behind the scenes and it was just it was just like he was abusive to almost everybody yeah I mean, uh, who worked talk- on his show and they might not, no, they acknowledge it now. Yeah, it's he was very abusive, verbally abusive. Yeah, too. and it was also on the weekends. It's like you'd get emails from him that were like very, like, just random, like unhappy with you, and it, I, it was just inexplicable. But I, I, it. W- We're very divided over like it's difficult because I owe him a lot. I learned a lot from him, and it was my choice ultimately. Like I stayed on that show, and but it it was I I won't ever put myself in that situation again. Yep, I learned a lot from it, and I'd like I for you know I there's not for me I forgive him because that because I have to. I have to take responsibility too. Mm. like ultimately it's and I know this moving moving forward it's up to me to say no I'm not going to do that that now it's on me right. and I didn't I didn't have the guts to do that I then. didn't either but I'll
0: tell you that experience helped me so much right. in my fight with the governor if I hadn't had the bullies like the imuses out there I would not have learned from that because I couldn't I couldn't say no or don't treat me like that or I'm not going to take this anymore. Uh, I just I left. That was how I dealt with it. And then I stewed over it. And if I could go back today, I I would have told him, you can't treat me like that. You can't. You know,
1: I did once on the air. He caught like it was like I he asked me some question about economic news and I didn't it was some specific question and I didn't know the answer to it. And he just started lambasting me on the air. Ugh. Um, like, I, you know, moron was one of his favorite words, I think. And I said, I'm not and I said on the air, I said, I'm not going to sit here. I think I and remember have this. you talk to me yep. when I've spent 20 you know, 20 some odd years in financial journalism. And I'm not going to have you sit here and like try and destroy what I built as a journalist, but like let you insult me. But you know what? Again, executive who no longer works here, I was forced in order to stay on the show, I was forced to call him on the phone and apologize to him. Uh. They pulled me off the air. They pulled me off the air and told me to get out of the studio. I think that they were afraid that he was going to call me something really nasty on the air. I'm you know, speculating, obviously. Yeah. I, I think that they were afraid that he would call me something nasty on live air on radio and TV. And so they pulled me off the air in order to basically keep my position on the show. I had to call him on the phone and apologize. Yeah.
0: that was just his culture. That was the culture that he brought in. It was the, yeah, absolutely. Don't make him mad. Don't look at him. Don't say anything to him. He's the one that has to, you know, don't look at him. Oh, yeah. I got that all the time.
1: Yeah. Don't look at him. Everybody did. Particularly like with interns, like don't look at him. Oh yeah, don't don't engage him. Yeah. Well, when I
0: worked with him, he carried a gun and he would show us that gun. And I remember there was an intern, and we told the intern, "Don't look at him when he comes into the room. Just don't." And he did the little intern, mm-hmm. and he was wearing a yarmulke. I will never forget. And I'm a psalm, and he's like. Uh, what are you what are you looking at? I'll shoot that beanie off your head so fast. I mean, it was just it was shocking. And you can't do that anymore. You're not going to get away with it. But that's the kind of culture that he brought in with him to the job. So, listen, I appreciate you talking about it. The reason I bring it up is because all of those situations have made us the people that we are today right. and you know, the Imus back then made me the person I am today and somebody who
1: will not take that anymore right. I and we and we've discussed this privately, but like I felt really during those years very conflicted, particularly on yeah. the other side of it because it's like why I always thought I was a really strong person who stood up for myself, and I didn't. I didn't for really, I really didn't for the most part for like five and a half years. And I liked, you know, why not? Because I liked part of me, liked doing the show, part of me liked the attention that the show brought me. And when he
0: laughed, that was like the
1: greatest thing ever. You made him laugh. Right, exactly. So it, but I tolerated a lot of like, unhappiness and verbal abuse that now no more and i'm sure like he still has a legion of fans he does and they don't like it when you say anything negative about him but you know what the good comes the really horrible and we both experience that and that's just that's just fact
0: And there were good things. He raised a lot of money for charity. You can be, I think I saw a tweet when he died that, you know, talked about all of the good things he did with the charities. And he was a legend in broadcasting. Yep. But you also can be someone who was very abusive. You know, those things can happen together. You can be very good and donate all your money uh, and be good to your kids. I mean, I saw him with Wyatt. I was like, he does love Wyatt. I can see that. Um, But... Uh, but he was an abusive person. And and so, you know, God rest his soul. I hope he's up there yep. with the angels and his brother, Fred, because and I am grateful that he brought me to this him. city, because without him doing that, I wouldn't have created the greatest life that I have right now. Right. But it's still it still hurts. It still hurts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, but we're different people today. We that's are. not. That's not happening again, lady. I know. Well, listen. To be continued.
0: You really are one of my favorite people, and I. The I love this podcast because I get to talk to people and have a conversation, and let our listeners hear how gracious and wonderful and beautiful you are. Oh, you're the
1: best. <laughs> Get out of town. Who are you talking about? You're I'm not like, a grump one? bucket. Yeah, I am a total grump bucket. But I will. I think there should be a T-shirt like, that says grump bucket. grump bucket on one side and then bring on the sunshine on the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a grump bucket in a crime-ridden New York City helps. I, like I, At least I look a little bit scary. Just a little bit. I told a friend of mine that yesterday who on me and... Um, <laughs> The person said, you're not scary. I was like, well, a little bit. And he was like, okay, a little bit. <laughs> Next time we'll talk about that. Okay. okay. Just a little little scary. Like, uh, I might have a knife.
0: <laughs> I might. Maybe I don't. <laughs> you know, one of the first things Sean got me when I moved to New York was pepper spray and he got it from his mom I had never I didn't know what pepper spray was <laughs> bear mace yeah got, when I was living in Astoria mace. working for Imus I had to walk early in the morning in Astoria to go get mm-hmm. a parking spot and then walk to the and he got me like the best grade mace and I was like I guess I'm a New Yorker
1: <laughs> yes you are now we got to get you a, like a taser. No, those are illegal. Guns, illegal. But Aww. again, a scowl will go a long way. Aww. At least it keeps the, you know, it might keep the people, the dangerous people at bay. Don't mess with us. No, not, no, not now. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, Janice. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Dagan, for
0: such a great interview. I'm grateful for her time and friendship. She's one of those people that when you need someone to lean on or to confide in, she's always going to be there. And I feel very lucky to have her in my life. One thing before we go, you heard Dagan and I talking about our experiences with Don Imus. Even though it was tough to work with him, the people around him were always good to me. This year marks 20 years when I moved to New York to work with Don Imus. One of the people that interviewed and helped hire me was Bernard McGurk. I remember him saying to me, are you sure you want this job? And I'll never forget that. Over the years, we kept in touch and he would come to Fox many times to be a contributor while he worked at WABC. Over the last few years, he was supportive of my fight on behalf of thousands of seniors that died in New York nursing homes, and I would come on his radio program with his on-air partner, Sid Rosenberg, who also worked with Imus during my time there. Bernie died this past week after a heroic battle with prostate cancer. He shared the diagnosis to his listeners and worked up until August this year on their radio program, The Bernie and Sid Show. Bernard was a very big presence in New York radio for decades, and he was one of the only ones that could put Imus in his place. He and Sid were a wonderful team together, and I'm so grateful I got to work with him and got to know him. God bless Carol, his wife, and his children. I'm sure Bernie is up in heaven giving Imus a hard time and watching over us. There will be a special tribute for Bernie, including memories and thoughts from the WABC staff that will air this Tuesday. He will be missed. Godspeed, Bernie. I love you. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.